Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Bove in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 63 of The Yacking Show, where we talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas to survive in this very changing world we find ourselves living in. As always, we have interesting guests. Today's guest is no exception, but it's Kathleen's job to introduce him. Before I welcome Kathleen, though, we would love you to subscribe to our show. So on YouTube or BitChute, wherever you're watching this, there's a subscribe button below you. It would make us very happy if you'd hit that. And then we know you're not going to miss some really exciting people we have coming up in the next few weeks. Enough from me. It's now my job to introduce my co-host. Hey, Kathleen, how are we doing today? Hi, Peter. Well, I'm doing great today. The sun is shining and boy, does it, it's so uplifting when that happens, isn't it? Um, so thank you all so much for joining us as usual. Uh, we so enjoy your comments, so do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. So today we're switching gears a little bit. So today we wanted to bring you a very inspiring story and it's one of truly a, of overcoming adversity so please welcome our guest to the show mr juan caceres did i get that right juan yes you did oh wonderful wonderful so juan perhaps you can start with telling our audience a little bit about your background uh and just before we lead up to when you went off to Nicaragua. So just before that. Okay, sure. Uh, first of all, uh, Kathleen and Peter, thank you for having me on your show. And a uh, pleasure to be here. And um, a little bit about myself, uh, Juan Casades, uh born and raised in uh, New York City, actually, Northeast. Um, just uh, been doing uh, different things as a computer IT consultant throughout my life. So with uh, different things that I've done here, of course, the, uh, the adventure that I've done in Nicaragua as a coffee plantation owner and uh, just doing different things here in the States and a world traveler, love to travel, been to 56 different countries. Wow. World. So um, yeah, I'm glad to be here, uh, glad to be here. And um, yeah. Well, well done. Now, you and I have spoken before, and I, I think our audience will find it very interesting that we have very similar, our lives have taken similar paths through adversity, but in totally different parts of the world and for different reasons. But it's, it's unusual that we should have made contact uh, because of that co those coincidences. However, it's, this show is not about me, it's about you today. So I know that your big adventure and, and a scary adventure started when you moved to Nicaragua. But why did you go there? What was the motivation to go to Nicaragua? Okay, uh, well, it all started back in 2003. Uh, I was attending a, a, a party here in, uh, in North Carolina. So in that party of just conversation, talking to different people, there was a, one person I was speaking to who was a ex-Special Forces officer and just also, again, of course, world traveler is from all the things he'd done. A lot of it classified, which he didn't want to tell me, but that's okay. So there was a, in this one room, there was a map of the world displayed. And we kind of went to it and between drinks, we said, well, I've been here, well, I've been there. And just trading different spots. And I 
told him, and again, his experience was heavy Latin America, Central America. I told him, well, I've never been to Central America. I've been throughout Latin America, Europe, Asia, but never been through Central America. Which country would you recommend, if I only had to pick one, to visit? And he went and he put his finger on the map and I looked and I said, Nicaragua? I said, oh, you're crazy. That's where the Sandinistas had the revolution in the 80s, from what I remember. And he says, no, no, it's very different now. It's peaceful. It's, uh, people are great. Lots of opportunities, what have you. And he spoke with such passion, such resolve. And all right, it stuck in my mind. And we started talking about other things. And for the next week or two, that thing about Nicaragua. So I went back then to do some Google searches. And there really wasn't much about it. There was no tourist book. There were a few backpacker blogs here and there. But there was nothing really there. So basically, I decided to do some boots on the ground research. So I book a ticket, didn't know nobody there, didn't know what I was gonna find there. Just went, got there, got a hotel room, rented a four by four and just took a map and said, I wanna go here. And just went, gone. And basically I just fell in love with the country, fell in love with the people, the culture, and um, spent three weeks there, decided to come back because of course everything on vacation is beautiful, mm-hmm. but you know to live there is another story. So proceeded with two more trips there, and again, beautiful culture. The people just fell in love with the place. Lots of economic on- opportunities. Lots of entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. back then. The people mm-hmm. were positive. It was really a, a again. It was just wonderful. So I looked for property, and I found this. Uh, one place in the Nicaraguan rainforest in Matagalpa, northern part of Nicaragua. It was uh, an abandoned coffee plantation, pretty much. But I just saw it, and it was just beautiful, nestled in the mountains with all the wildlife and just pristine. And I just went and negotiated the price for it, purchased it, came back to the U.S. I was still working at the time here. And that was going to be my retirement getaway. So things happened later two months afterwards at work. Wasn't very happy with work, working a lot of hours, wasn't much appreciated. There was an episode that happened and I pretty much, I was the straw that broke the camel's back, says I've had it, put in my resignation. And it says, well, what do I do now? And I says, well, I got property in Nicaragua, this uh, jungle paradise I bought. Well, let me go there, regroup, figure stuff out. Hey, maybe I can do something here. So that's basically how I actually got to, uh, to go to Nicaragua. To Nicaragua. Wow. Interesting. And so, and so what then? So you managed to, you, you moved to Nicaragua, you had this piece of property, and then you decided to, to grow coffee beans. Is that correct? Um, yes, but there was a little something before that. Okay. So funny thing is, again, my agronomy experience was having a $1.99 Walmart plant on my windowsill. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my farming or uh, my experience with plants. So when I went there, again, since it was an abandoned coffee plantation, it was, it was run down. The trees looked pretty sickly and it kind of detracted from all the jungle scenery and I really didn't like it. I didn't even drink coffee, which is even more surprising. <laughs> okay. 
I was a tea drinker. Like, so I went there and I said, you know what? Just burn it all down. Chop it, burn it all down. I don't know why it looks ugly. Forget it. And just, just put some cattle here. Don't know anything I was talking about. And my friends at the time says, you're crazy. This is great coffee. You can do something with this. And it's like, no, 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 no. Just burn it all down. It looks ugly. It looks, I was thinking just of retirement, a beautiful idyllic jungle paradise. Mm -hmm. So long story short, they convinced me. I said, I'll give it two years. I'll give it two years. After that, big bonfire. I'm burning it all down. <laughs> so, so went through, got a foreman, got some workers, and we just put uh, people to work. Then we went, uh, again, learning about the process, what coffee was. Uh, when I would Google how to raise a coffee plantation, how to, zero. There was nothing. All everything, how to drink coffee, how to roast coffee, but actually how to grow it. Good, there was good. nothing. Really. <laughs> so with that, again, the first year, horrible crop, nothing. Mm. It was like, it was like, and I was like, okay, one year down, this next year better be a lot better. And my foreman says, everything you're doing now for next year is going to be bumper crop and this and that. I'm like, well, okay. Again, so, and effectively on the second year, all the trees magically transformed, beautiful leaves, full of coffee cherries. And it was like, okay, I mean, it transformed the place completely. So was wonderful i did that and then my foreman suggested hey it's a patron which is basically how they would uh, talk to uh, people with the you know, owners of the farms it's like why there's a cup of excellence competition in the country where basically the best coffees in the whole country farmers compete and submit their coffees to be tasted by international and national experts in a blind taste test why don't we uh, put your coffee there, Patron. I was like, eh, okay. So when I went to the uh, exporter, coffee exporter, I was dealing with semi coffee. I told him, hey, and he knew my story, my background. Says, I want to enter this cup of excellence competition. And he kind of looked at me. He's like, don't waste your time. Forget it. <laughs> I said, why? He's like, you'll never win. Don't, don't even waste your time. And he was like very adamant about it. So I went back. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what he says. I want to go. So I went back the next day. and says, hey, because you needed a sponsor. The sponsor <laughs> says, I want to go in this. So he says, okay, to humor you, we'll do it. No problem. <laughs> so he goes. He said, wasn't very confident. Uh, so I went. I kind of forgot about it. We entered the coffee. And later, remember then I had a, a car because it was basically on a one mountain road. I was hearing a, a car coming, a truck coming. My, my, just say, hey, someone's coming. Wasn't expecting anybody. Basically, I was a messenger saying, uh, looking for Juan Cáceres. I said, that's me. It says, well, it says, you have been uh, uh, classified as a finalist in the Cup of Excellence competition. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, we need you to come to Managua and basically present yourselves with the winners, and we're going to auction your coffee internationally. Nice. Very good. So basically, I got onto the local news because it was obviously, it was like, who is this guy, Juan Carlos? He's not Nicaraguan. <laughs> and they did the, basically became the human interest stories. Like, this guy came from U.S., again, do nothing about coffee, didn't even drink coffee, and here he is, he won. <laughs> 400, 
four or five hundred entries, people who've been four generations growing coffee. And here I am, this person from the U.S., knew nothing about coffee. Now he's the winner, one of the best coffees in Nicaragua. So when we sold that, of course, I was very happy. Uh, I started to, uh, to buy more, more properties. And basically, it was a huge morale boost, obviously. It says my coffee is good and yep. proven to be good. So things are going very well. I was already seeing my future here. Again, personal on a personal space. Economically, the plantation was thriving. Uh, I was already looking at the market, my coffee directly in the U.S. So things were going wonderful. Actually, it was like I was living the dream. Juan, so tell me, please. You have to be drinking coffee now, though, right? <laughs> I would drink my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just had to ask. Please keep going. <laughs> so things were going wonderful. And then the, there was presidential elections in Nicaragua. And the, uh, Daniel Ortega with the Sandinista party, the one that won in the 80s and did their communist revolution, they were on the ballot and everyone told me i said was well, that going to be a problem I said don't worry about it they won't win it's that we lived through that before we're not going to vote it's just forget about it it's, it's not a non-issue well come that morning on the radio heard the sandinistas won the elections so it was like okay so just reflecting myself i was at the farm at that time i already built my residence there and I said, well, I'm not political. Doesn't matter to me. I've, gee, I've never been political one way or another in the country. I'm just a coffee grower. So I thought, okay, what's the problem? Okay, well, it is what it is. Well, little did I know, uh, I was already being classified as an enemy of the state, enemy of the people. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. There was a lot of... Uh, uh, Marxist propaganda of the evil imperial Yankee who's coming to our country, exploiting our resources, abusing of our people. And me, of course, as the foreigner, especially as an American, I was the enemy of everyone. So what's our happening? Uh, workers just started to not show up. My foreman left. My neighbors wouldn't talk to me anymore. There were thefts and vandalism all over the property. And just the whole atmosphere, the rhetoric on the radio, the TV, newspapers, anti-American, anti-American. And it was like, again, you know, we need to get rid of the Yankee imperialists. So, mm -hmm. but there, coffee is a very labor-intensive uh, mm -hmm. uh, agriculture enterprise. Without workers, you're product just stays on the trees and literally rots and falls down so and it's like okay well then there was the shortages there was no gasoline gasoline no gasoline then there was no rice there was no beans and you had to feed your workers mm -hmm. what workers you had and so you had to feed them give them a, um, some bunk beds what have you so there were shortages of food there were shortages of gasoline there was talks of bank confiscation capital controls the whole economy went to a tailspin, basically. So it was like, well, maybe I'll diversify to something else. And it says, so then I had a, a friend 
who basically uh, invited me for coffee in the city. She sat me down and she told me, Juan, you need to leave the country. Just like that. And I said, but what? Trust me, you need to leave. And would not, but, and would never tell me why. So it kind of like, okay, this is someone I trusted, someone who was a very successful entrepreneur in the city. Like, all right, so a week later, uh, one of my cooks my, my, who stayed on told me that in the village next to our plant, coffee plantation, she overheard a conversation in the local cantina bar of two guys, basically gentlemen, who were drinking at a table saying how we're going to take that gringo's coffee plantation over from him and basically setting up an ambush oh basically to make me disappear mm-hmm. and that they had full cooperation of the local police constables that they would not get involved and oh well something just something would happen and he disappeared we don't know what happened to him so at that point everything that was again all the future that i had laid out for me everything that was on a silver platter now is like well what am i going to do now mm-hmm. now i have basically a death threat that i wasn't aware of there was no uh, i said no fertilizer no gasoline everything pretty much turned on its head and sat down this some analyzing is like i came to the conclusion this isn't fun anymore and it was like I could stay and fight or I can try to sell and leave. So a lot of things happen in the middle. No, I'm going to fight. I'm, you know, anyone comes here, I got weapons, I have this and that. But once cooler heads prevailed, it was like, no, it's better to leave. And so Ben just put farm on sale. Of course, nobody was buying because people with money were actually taking their money, taking it to U.S., Panama, you know, capital is fleeing the country. So it's like, okay, people were giving me basically pennies on the dollar. Well, I'll give you this. I'll write you a check. Like, no, and writing you a check in these countries are basically, it's basically a rubber check. So it was like, all right, what am I going to do now? So six months, very, uh, very chaotic, trying to change my timelines when I arrived to the farm where I didn't because that threat was still there. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I was able, some rich cattle rancher actually came. He saw it. His wife fell in love with the property just like I did. And, I mean, of course, he knew I was desperate. So he gave me a fraction of what it was worth. But at least he gave me something. Cash Mm -hmm. on hand. I took it. Tried to wire the money here. Almost got confiscated by the government because they put it on hold. So long story short, I was, had a very good lawyer, thank God. At that time, I was able to get what little money from there here, sold the truck, to hopped on a plane and came back. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you feel when you got back to the States, having lived through all that? Now you're back at the States. You know, you've, you've lost a fortune on the farm. You've gone through all that uh, worry and tension. And, and I know what it's like because I've, you know, had a similar experience. And now you're back in the physical safety of the, of the USA, but you don't know what you're going to do now to pick up your life again. So how did you get over that one? Uh, well, it's, um, again, it went through the period of, first of all, denial that this can't be happening, then to acceptance. Mm. And that was hard. 
-hmm. and of course felt sad, depressed and what have you. But to be honest with you, the fact that I was able to leave alive and with something, I mean, that encouraged me a lot is like, you know what? I escaped, like I escaped from Alcatraz and I was alive. Other people had to stay. Yep. So I was fortunate to have that U.S. passport. My friends had to stay. They had no choice. I did. I was made it out. So I was uh, working on a plan B, had some friends here and like basically get back into the IT consulting again. And of course, being four years as a coffee grower doesn't do too good on the resume for IT. That's right. (laughs) You're right there. Like you basically you've been out of the, been out of the game too long. So I had to start from the bottom is tech support from being a system engineer all the way down to tech support. I was like, okay, well, I then started getting busy. How am I going to get back to where I was before? So I started, uh, started working, started doing uh, CBTs, computer-based trainings, doing education, getting hands on every manual I can, learning about uh, what was the new thing, which was storage infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So just basically training at night, weekends, just moving up the ranks, so to speak, and going to uh, different jobs. When I saw basically it was not an opportunity there, mm-hmm. everything was on the table. So I basically kept myself busy and improving my knowledge and skill set. Mm-hmm. And as it went along, the pay rate got higher. I started decided to be a consultant and basically be a hired gun. Yep. And from there, basically uh, things are, until now, Things were, so that's how I kept myself busy. And I said, I did the impossible from having a coffee plantation with no experience, won the cup of excellence. If I can do that in a foreign country, not knowing no one, imagine the US, my home turf, that's right. what I can do. So it was actually, again, once I got busy and put whatever was behind me, it was pretty much, uh, you know, you know, going good from there. So until 2020. Yes. Yes. Now, oh my goodness. Of course, we know what's happening now in, with 2020, but um, how did that impact you? Well, it's uh, once the corona lockdown started happening here in the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, the company I was working at as an infrastructure architect, mm-hmm. basically they had a global workforce reduction program. And I got caught up in that. So then it's like, okay. And been on different interviews, looked in, uh, again, Indeed, LinkedIn, what have you, and lots of interviews. You're a great candidate. They loved you, but there's no offer. And it's like, well, if they love me, you're making the offer. It was like, nope. And that's the reality what it is now. And also for everyone out there, the age discrimination is a real thing. By the way, yep, absolutely yep. is. We know that. About that. We know that. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a situation too young to retire, yeah. and too old to hire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now it's like, okay, well, I have to have a plan B. Look at some other, uh, other revenue streams, other think outside the box, other things. So and that's what it stands right now. And so you've, I take it then you've not had an opportunity to go back to Nicaragua at all since you left. Uh, a few years later, because I had a lot of friends there, mm-hmm. I went back as a tourist. And as a tourist, I was welcomed with open arms. Everyone was wonderful. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then, of course, I never mentioned that, you know, beside my friends or everyone else. Oh, we love tourism. We love Americans. And I just kind of grip my teeth like, oh, yeah, I see how much you love Americans. <laughs> come with your money. Enjoy. Go home. And then next year, come with some more money, U.S. More dollars. Money. Yeah. We love yeah. you. Yeah. We love you. Please come. So that was uh, that, that's interesting. That was an interesting dynamic. But again, it is... I can come enjoy as a vacation. And then, okay, guys, see you next year. Yep. So. so out of curiosity, is your former coffee plantation still a coffee plantation? Um, I believe so, just because, uh, again, the person I sold it to already had a cattle ranch and he was a successful rice plantation owner. So this was a new uh, avenue for him, coffee. And his basis wife wanted it for her. She later confessed after I sold it. I told my husband, you're buying me this. This is mine. This is my, again, she fell in love with everything. So he really didn't need That's good. the money from that. Mm -hmm. He was just, again, like, again, a nice weekend getaway, a second vacation home, so to speak. So, right, right. And one, when you went back on vacation, what had happened to the country in your absence? The economy, was it still bad? Where, was there still shortages or had it improved a bit? Uh, the shortages have calmed down. And basically, people accepted the result. They everything kind of quasi, um, kind of quasi was okay. But again, all the capital pretty much left. A left, lot of the yeah. foreigners like me left. So it was in a malaise until Daniel Ortega can confirm his power and cement power, and then it started going back down again, looting yeah. the treasury, looting the retirement, and now it's completely in the toilet again. So mm -hmm. it was that phase where he was consolidating power, you know, having everyone give a little bit of a break and then hit the hammer again. Mm -hmm. So I haven't been back in like six years. And right now it's, now it would be dangerous to go back again. Yeah, I, get, I bet it would. I bet it would. So <clears throat> carry on, Kirsten. So I was just going to ask you, Juan, having lost everything. So you went from, from tremendous success in Nicaragua to losing absolutely everything, having to flee the country with pretty much the clothes on your back and having to start your life all over again. How did you, I can't even imagine what that must do to one's morale. How did you maintain positivity to try to rebuild that life again? Did you, do you have any advice for our audience that's listening that's maybe going through some something similar in that they're losing everything because of the pandemic and they have to look to the future, a different future for themselves? Uh, yes, it was, uh, I think what really, uh, I guess, saved, uh, uh, saved me from a spiritual stand standpoint was from uh, that the, my previous successes, what have I accomplished before? Mm -hmm. Again, so with that and also have that warrior spirit, yeah. so to speak don't give up based no matter how critical how disastrous your situation is you put in the effort you put in the work and have the determination you will not lose you will fight and you will fight have that passion to say i'm not going to let this get me down it's not easy it takes work but basically have that positivity and you are your own best cheerleader right that's yes. the thing yes. that's so really advice. important so, and I, I think when we spoke before, we both agreed that you've got to keep busy. It's no good sitting at home being miserable. And, and even if it's volunteering, helping a friend, going to watch someone's car, 
whatever, keep keep your mind and your hands occupied. And that, that's a huge thing I found. And I think you found that as well, didn't you, Juan? Correct. Basically, uh, keep busy. Get off the couch. Get off of social media. Huge time waste. Nothing yep. positive comes out of that. Just a lot of negativity. Get all the negativity out, out of your life. You just excommunicate that. And you basically get busy saying, how am I going to accomplish my goal? Start yep. on a plan B. Start on a plan C. Do things and get some wins, some simple wins. Once you get that Absolutely. snowball going of some simple wins, that boosts your morale, that shows you that you can survive out of this. You can triumph out of this. And then it just, again, you know, you know when people say, that person is so lucky, everything happens good for them. Or the reverse, that person, oh, it's just a disaster, depressed, everything's wrong. I think there's definitely something to that. I can definitely tell the people out there. So, but you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and not accept defeat and mm -hmm. keep fighting, Abs keep fighting Absolutely. with that. That's, that's the key. One, we're getting near the end of our time. So I want to give you the opportunity to tell people you've got such a good story. I'm sure <laughs> lots more people would like to hear your story and you're an IT expert and a coffee grass. Uh, if anyone wants to pick one's brains about IT and coffee growing, then certainly contact him. How do they contact you? Sure. Uh, they can contact me at Nika Coffee Baron, N-I-C-A. Yeah. Coffee Baron. Right. At protonmail.com. Protonmail.com. Great. I will put that in the description. People can pick that up and it'll be on a caption under this point of the video. So that's uh, we're, we're nearly at the end. Uh, it was really good to talk to you again. We've spoken before and I loved hearing your story for a second time. And we're certainly going to keep in touch because I know you've got some more chapters of your interesting story still to write that you're working on. So we'll catch up with you again. But for now, I must hand back to Kathleen and she will end off for us. So thank you, Juan. Okay. Yes, Juan, thank you so much for joining us today. You do truly have an inspiring story to tell. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us again today. And as usual, please keep your comments coming. We read all of them. And um, if anybody out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to Peter or myself. And please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We would so appreciate that you would make our day. So until next time, thank you all for joining in and we'll stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye.